0: Welcome back to another episode of Product Love, hosted by Eric Bodick, serial entrepreneur and co-founder of Pendo, a product experience platform. Every day we use different kinds of products to help us go about our lives. Behind each product is a product manager who has carefully built something they hope their users love. This is Product Love, the podcast where we interview product managers and explore the craft of product management. This week on Product Love, I talked to Daniel Elizalde, who teaches product management and product strategy for the Internet of Things at Stanford University. And most recently, he was named the Vice President and Head of IoT for North America at Ericsson. So you've probably seen Daniel's popular decision-making framework for IoT floating around product management and tech spaces. And let's face it, product management for IoT or Internet of Things isn't easy. There are a lot of different things to consider, Luckily, Daniel breaks it down to six layers, talks about UX, data, business, technology, security, and finally standards and regulations. Like all frameworks, Daniel doesn't provide direct solutions, instead he walks through each layer and provides a guide on how to strategize and frame your way of thinking. As you travel through each layer, there are different questions raised to challenge your hypotheses. All of these questions are raised in order to ensure that your decisions have been made thoughtfully and holistically. This framework is a great way for teams to build a shared language across the organization. Now you might be thinking, I don't work in IoT, you know, is this important to me? And I think a lot of what we talk about in frameworks can be applied across all kinds of different products, especially products that are more complicated than pure software. And all this discussion about frameworks got me thinking to, you know, what frameworks we use when we make product decisions. Are we thorough? Have we put the right product principles in place? When do we implement these product principles and frameworks? Well, that's enough for me. Drop me a line at eBodic at Twitter or eBodic at Pendo.io. I'd love to hear from you about your decision frameworks and what you think of Daniel's IoT product management framework. Well, welcome, Lovers of Product. Today, I am here with Daniel Elizalde. Daniel, can you start this off by giving us a little quick overview of your
1: background? For sure. Thank you so much, Eric, for the opportunity. I'm really glad to be here today. A little bit of my background, I've been in technology and product management for about 20 years. I grew up in Mexico City, have a degree in computer electronics, and I've been in the industrial automation world most of my life. And I've gone through all different roles from engineer to systems engineer, to solutions architect, to product management for the most part of my career. And I really enjoyed that transition. I've had the opportunity to work in industries as manufacturing, aviation, renewable energy. And for the past about three years, I became an independent coach and I helped companies with their IoT product strategy, as well as I teach IoT product management at Stanford University.
0: Awesome. So talk to me, before you were a coach, you had a decade of experience, right? What What made you decide to make this transition into coaching? Yeah. And was there I a particular said, aha moment or something that made you realize you really wanted to help train
1: PMs? Yeah, I, that's a really interesting question. I, I actually had about like maybe like 17 years of experience at that point. And I've always been very interested in sharing the lessons learned and the knowledge. So I've been writing my blog for about six years now. And I always like creating frameworks and breaking things apart. And so for the role that I was at at the time, I was head of products for an energy storage company for the smart grid. And it's a complex IoT product. And, and I had to figure out how to, explain the complexity, both internally and externally. And that's where I started creating frameworks for IoT. And at the time I had the opportunity to start teaching those frameworks at Stanford. And, you know, there was a time where there I could say, well, there's an opportunity for me to continue this path, working for a company, or I can start taking these frameworks that have been getting a lot of traction and help more companies Trying to make sense of this technology change with the Internet of Things, and so that's the that was the genesis of it. And and so my goal really wasn't to become a consultant in the sense of I go in and I become VP of product for six months and help you launch your product. It's more about a coach that can help you understand how all the pieces fit together in your strategy and move on. So that's what I've been focusing on creating online courses for IOT strategy and teaching at conferences and teaching at universities. And then of course, working with a handful of companies with their strategy. So that was the, the how moment for me is that I I think I can contribute to the product management practice in moving us forward, you know, adding my grain of salt there to the next generation of products, which is connected products. So talk to our
0: listeners about you know, what exactly IoT product management and strategy is and, and why it's important.
1: Yeah, I think it's really important for, for a couple of reasons that more and more products are becoming connected products. And so the Internet of Things, I know it, it's a big umbrella term and a lot of people associated with what we hear in the media of, you know, the smart refrigerator and the smart coffee maker and the, the toaster that sends you a text message, right? Yes, that's the same technology and the same approach, but that's just the tip of the iceberg. What I focus on is enterprise and industrial applications has to do with you know, monitoring jet engines, or improving the yield of a factory by adding sensors and artificial intelligence, or connecting distributed renewable energy sources like solar and wind to a smart grid. So it's that kind of transformational technology that can really help us move to the next level. And so a lot of companies are moving to that. So, as a profession, product managers, now I see in my experience after talking to literally thousands of them, we are facing this challenge of the profession is just getting a lot more complicated because the next generation of products that connect to the internet are way more complex. And I'll talk more about why they're more complex. But so, the idea of IoT product strategy and, and the things that I teach is how do we make sense of this technological revolutions? And how do we put all the pieces together so that we can continue with the core of our role, which is provide value to our company and to our customers, right? So, the complexity lies in that there's a lot more components. It's a bigger ecosystem. The technology is a lot bigger. So, how do you make sense of all that to provide value? So, that's, that's what I teach and that's what I help companies with. Got it. Got
0: it. So, let's delve into that a little bit. Let's start with you know, the transformation of product management as a discipline over the last 20 years, you know, what have you seen that's changed and what's surprised you the most?
1: Yeah, it's, it's been fascinating, to be honest, because I think like as many of us, I stumble into product management by accident and there hasn't been really a, a a discipline or a profession that we can really learn from. We're all kind of trained on the job. So what I've seen throughout the last 20 years is that more and more companies are taking this seriously and they are thinking about hiring product managers to help them with the strategy and the execution of their business initiatives. So I see it become more mainstream. And I also see more formal education. There are great companies doing great work like you know Product School and General Assembly. And now we have very serious product conferences like with Mind the Product and Industry. So it's getting this alignment between the different groups is what the role is is evolving to, but now we're getting it to be a, a real profession. Where I see that it's still lacking is that it still lacks the the formality that some other professions have in the sense that we still don't have a seat at the table from an executive perspective. Like there's very few companies that have a chief product officer or have a representation of product at the C level. And so there's still this concept that you know we have to manage through influence, which is a big part of the role, but at the same time, to me, that continues to say, you know, you got to influence because engineering still has all the authority, So I've seen those transformations and I think it's getting better, but I think we have still a long way to go. Now, the other thing that I'm seeing is that the role of the product profession is growing in terms of our scope of responsibilities, especially with this new generation of products. So for example, when we talk about IOT, Now we have to deal with not only the technology aspects, which is is really mind-boggling in terms of its complexity with networking communications and artificial intelligence and embedded software and hardware, et cetera, but you also have to deal with things that we didn't have to deal with before, like security and privacy and data cleansing and regulations and those kind of things that I believe are part of the overall product offering. And so product managers need to be more aware of that. And the last thing is that this new technologies also enable new business models so we're seeing more of the as a service where the goal of the product is to support a service and that's the revenue generator and so now product managers need to step back and look at the overarching offering that goes beyond just the physical or digital product that you're producing right it's that to support services and what does that look like? So service design, understanding uh, services ecosystems, partners ecosystems. It's more important than ever. So it's a lot.
0: <laughs> yeah, that was a lot. But now you're you're an instructor at Stanford, right? So you can start influencing this next generation of executives, both on the engineering and product side. You know, to you know think about the importance of product and the fact that they do need that seat at the table, right? So. And yeah. I must say it's, it's awesome to see product management as a course people can take my alma mater Carnegie Mellon also has a master's in product management now. So talk to me a little bit more about that. What's your course like? You know, what's on the syllabus? What books? What blogs? How do you teach that? What people do you have involved? I'm
1: curious. Yeah no I think that's a that's a great thing and that's, it's been a great honor for me to to teach there. I've been teaching there for about 3 years and I have to say I teach in the Stanford continuing studies program which is actually great because it's open to the community. So my students are not undergrads. My students are usually senior managers and executives of Silicon Valley companies. So I have managers, PMs or, or senior managers executives from you know, Google and Samsung and Amazon and Mercedes-Benz and, you know, all these companies coming to my classes. So that really enriches the experience because, you know, we're all feeding from each other's knowledge. It's very practical. And my curriculum is actually based all on my IoT decision framework. So it's my own IP that I teach. And I have two different courses. I teach IoT product management, which is based on my IoT decision framework. And I can walk you through that in a second. And I teach another course called uh, how to bring IoT products to market. And that's more about what are the blind spots that companies usually face when they start this journey. And so how can you get past that? And they're all focused specifically on product management. And the idea of this course is, is to give you a framework so that you can understand how all the pieces fit together including some of the more foundational aspects of product management, right? So I don't necessarily teach, you know, prioritization or stakeholder management, things that I expect product people to know. But it's like, once you have that basis, how do you actually deal with a product that is 10 times more complex in the industrial connected product world? So that's what my my curriculum is all about. And it's the same one I teach online on my website. It's the same material. Awesome. So talk to us about that. Talk to us about the IoT decision framework, what inspired it and
0: how PMs utilize it to make an impact.
1: For sure. What inspired it really is in my career as working in this type of industries and and then after talking to a lot of people and and teaching for a while, the realization was that part of the complexity is just that people don't understand what are the pieces and how those pieces fit together. And so the framework just really gives you a structured approach to think about all the different questions that you need to ask so that you can work with your team. Like any framework, it doesn't give you the answers, right? But what I've identified as the challenge at this stage is not even knowing what to ask. And so the framework has two parts and I can send you a link to the framework so you can include it in the show notes if you're interested. But it has a, a diagram and that's, it's easier to visualize if you see the diagram the framework has two parts and think of it as a matrix. And so on the horizontal axis, we have what I call the IoT technology stack. And these are the five technology pieces that every IoT product has. So whether it's a smart coffee maker, or a wind turbine, or an autonomous vehicle, they all have the same conceptual parts. And these parts are the device hardware, the device software, the communications network, a cloud platform, and then cloud applications. And then the idea of the framework is that you have to explore the impact on those five technology stack areas around what I call decision areas. And I have identified six decision areas. The first one is UX, then data, business, technology, security, and regulations. So the idea is that, for example, if you took at the first decision area, which is UX. And UX is all about not the user interface, but understanding the user's needs. What the, pe- the way people use a framework or the way I teach to use a framework is just do this exercise that I called walking the IoT technology stack. So if we are in the UX decision area, the question we're trying to answer is who are our users and what are their needs? And because this products are way more complex, they have a lot more different users. And so who are your users at the device hardware level, at the device software level, at the communications layer, platform, and applications? And what are their needs? Once you understand the UX implications, then you can move to the next layer, which is data. So what data needs to flow throughout the whole stack? What data needs to be acquired and processed by the hardware, by the embedded software? What data needs to be transferred through the networking channel, How do you manage that data in the cloud, et cetera? And then you move to the business area, asking the question, how are you going to monetize each layer or the solution as a whole? How do you calculate costs? And how do you create a build versus buy strategy? Then the next area, the technology decision area, now that you know your users, your data models, your business implications, then what technology do you use to deliver the solution? And what technology do you use, again, at the device hardware level, device software, communications, cloud platform, cloud applications, and so on. The next layer is security, and I baked in security in the framework from the very beginning, because people should be able to go through this framework to create their strategy. So if you include security impacts at each layer of the stack, then you're thinking about security from the very early on. And same with the last area, regulations. What regulations apply at the device hardware, device software, communications, platform and applications. And the idea with the framework is that it gives you this ability to compare and contrast because once you make a decision in a specific area, let's say in UX, you decide that the best experience for your user is to have virtual reality glasses for some reason. Then when you go through the different areas, you can challenge that and say, okay, do you have enough data for that? Or does the business model support that decision? Or is the technology ready to launch at scale? Or does it have security implications? And So it's a great way for teams to create a shared language across their organization and be able to create a blueprint of what they need to go and solve next. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. And you've trained a lot of people on this process, right?
0: I think you were saying over 1,200 professionals. Correct. Um, Let's talk a little bit about that. What were the common problems that you saw while coaching these teams? I'm hoping it's not like security. You know, we heard a lot about (laughs) IoT security issues over the years. And I'm sure we'll hear a lot more. But you know, what problems did you see? What mistakes were they making? And were you able to see any red flags that people often, you know, have when they're building products?
1: Yes, for sure. And uh, it's kind of interesting because by having this framework, it really puts it in perspective, the things that you're going to tackle, right? So when I work, for example, with specific companies in more of a consulting engagement, I show the framework and then people immediately want to jump into security or to the technology. But then what I realize is that most people can get past the UX decision area, meaning very few companies can articulate why they're doing IoT and then who are their users? And then I have, of course, tools and techniques to identify users across the stack and across the life cycle. And that's where a lot of companies really hit the wall. And so a lot of what happens is this gives the product management group a roadmap for them to say, okay, we actually need to go and research our users in this area, our partners, our experience here and there before we can even talk about data or business or technology, right? So that's the first one. And there are challenges at each layer. And so people always talk about security. And yes, of course, there are a lot of challenges in security, mainly because people don't think about it from the beginning or they don't understand what does it mean to create a secure system. But the reality is that most teams just get stuck in the first decision area. And so, I work with them to kind of get them unstuck in each of the areas. And I've actually identified about 20, what I call blind spots that I've seen over and over and over from like the two people startup to the 10,000 person big corporation. And uh, I call them blind spots. And I actually teach a course at Stanford about these blind spots because they're so common that I wanted to wrap them up in their own course and give PMs techniques on how to keep an eye on these ones. And I'm happy to talk more about so what, what else either other, of those. Yeah, what else were the other big blind
0: spots? Like, what's the, I mean, what's the top three of the 20, so to speak?
1: Yeah, so the first one, I think is a, it's not an IoT problem. It's a product problem is companies still lead with technology, and especially with something like IoT that is very, you know, revolutionary and a shiny object syndrome. A lot of companies that I talk to, they say, we are building this IoT thing, but they really don't know why. So that's a big one. And then the next one is once they determine why and they determine that IoT is a good fit, they lack a process on how to create a strategy so that they can actually go and implement this. A third one that is huge is IoT impacts pretty much all the organization, right? Your sales are going to be different. Your accounting is going to be different. If you're a software company and you've never done hardware, now you have to deal with supply chain and manufacturing and all those things, right? And so one of the big blind spots is not having a shared language across the organization to talk about what they're doing and how all the different pieces fit together. And, you know, I have blind spots of calls across the whole life cycle, but there are things like launch readiness, right? Companies, especially when they're coming just from a hardware perspective, now they're realizing that with IoT, their product is going to have connectivity to their customers 24-7. And there's a very different deployment approach for that, right? The installation is different. Provision is different. Onboarding, it's different, right? So they don't understand how that works. So, you know, I can go through all the different areas of the life cycle and pointing some of these things that I've seen over and over and over again, right? And so the, I think the main takeaway that I've gathered from a training over a thousand professionals here is that the main challenge is understanding what are the pieces and how they fit together. Because it's not that Each of the pieces is a mystery, right? We have a really good understanding and process how to manage hardware, how to do embedded software, how to do cloud applications. The problem is when you put all that together and you have to wrap it around in a new business model, that's when the things start to break apart. Got it. Well, that's a lot.
0: And (laughs) I guess, you know, looking at it, you have a whole course on it. So, you know, obviously
1: there's a lot of great material there. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. And, and, you know, when I talk to a company, especially, they sometimes tell me, it's like, well, do we really have to know all these things? It's like, you know what? These things are going to happen whether you tackle them or not. So I rather show you that you're going to have these issues with deployment, that you're going to have these issues with scalability, that you're going to have these issues with security so you can plan ahead. Right? So yes, it sounds like a lot, but actually after teaching this for a few years, I've had people come back to to me and say, you know what, that thing that you taught me two years ago, I quite didn't get it, but now we're going through it in my company and now I see why you said it and now I see how valuable it is, right? So this is a whole life cycle of very, very complicated products. So, you know, my goal here is saying, hey, product managers, this is harder than, you know, managing Angry Birds. No, you know. I love Angry Birds, but this is a different, different animal. And these are the challenges that you're going to face. And for us to continue moving the profession forward, meaning continue to gain a seat at the table, getting influence, having trust with our teams, well, we need to be conversant in all these things, right? Because if the PM walks into a security meeting and has no clue about what that means, or sits down with an inspector that's doing you know, policy revisions on your deployments and you have no clue what that means, then that's where we lose trust and that's when we lose our seat at the table, right? So that's it.
0: Yeah, absolutely, completely agree. And, uh, you know, when I, I say there's a lot there, I meant there could be a whole, well, there's a whole course, there could be a whole podcast, right? Around yeah. just the high level, 20 blind spots, in IoT product management. So, Correct. What, what's interesting, too, is just thinking about, like, talk to me about the process you did in putting together the material for that course and identifying the blind spots. Is this Was this a collection process over the years of working with lots of different companies? How did you come to put together the material in
1: particular for that? Yeah, that's, that's a great point. And, and so the the IoT decision Framework course, I've been teaching that for three years, like I said, both online and, and at universities. And that really came from my experience in having to articulate all these different things. And I've been fortunate in my PM career to have had strong experience with UX teams and with cloud teams and with data management teams so that I was able to put together some of the different pieces. And as you can imagine, there are other frameworks and there are other people that talk about this a little bit differently. So this is purely based on what I've seen in my own career in these types of industrial products but they have been validated through thousands of iterations with with professionals. And I've been tweaking it, right? And and the the benefit of the framework, the way I wanted to put it together is that it's high level enough that it allows me to continue to tweak the material. And as I've, let's say, the first time I I taught the UX section, it was more about, hey, you have to discover your users and off you go, right? You can use the normal UX techniques, but then I realized, wait, but there's actually more complexity here. So I actually created a sub framework that talks about the uh, IoT customer life cycle. What are those pieces and what does that mean for finding your users, right? So I've been refining it as I, you know, it's, it's my product. So I've been refining it as I continue to learn from the market and what sticks and what doesn't. I didn't start including things like digital twins or machine learning in the data section. And now I do because it's very prevalent. And of course, I don't teach people or PMs how to do machine learning. It's more about how do you work with machine learning professionals to improve your product and so on, right? Security, it started with like, hey, we need to tackle this. And through the years, it's like, okay, here's an actual security framework that you can use. And that I point out, of course, to a lot of expert sources, And that's the other thing. I think you were asking me about books and blogs. The way I see it is that if you look at the framework, the technology stack and all the decision areas, each one of those is huge, so product managers need to think about okay if I'm not strong in uX then I need to study a little bit of that if I'm not strong in business modeling, and then I need to study that right but this gives you a perspective so it started with a minimum viable product based on my experience, and it has evolved and grown to what it is today, and it continues to continues to evolve thanks that's great I mean it sounds very robust
0: now. Let's talk a little bit more about the PMs themselves. Talk to me about the qualities of product managers. You know, what should they have? Are there certain skill sets PMs should prioritize in your mind?
1: Yes, I think that uh, when I think about IoT product management, I think of IoT as a specialty on top of product management. It's like saying you're a doctor now you're a neurosurgeon, right? So you have to be a doctor first, and then you can do brain surgery. And so the same things apply customer centricity a really good balance between business savviness and then understanding technology and understanding customers and those are the main things that I look for or that I you know that I teach as well. And then the other thing that is specific for this that I think it's important is systems thinking because an IoT solution is a system of many parts put together. And the key is for us to be able to step back and see how all these different pieces fit together and how they relate to each other. Because usually each part of the system is managed by a different team, by a different time frame, by a different process, by a different p So we have to be conversant across the system, right? So those are the things that I believe are more unique to IoT product management is, you know, it's a PM. In addition, has to know system thinking and then the ability to, you know, put all these pieces together. So one thing you've written there, too, is
0: about this four pillars of product leadership, which I believe you described as soft skills, business acumen, domain knowledge and technical skills. Can you talk about why you
1: chose those four and how they work together to make an effective product leader? For sure. I think those are critical. And I'm I'm really glad that you uh, touched on those. So the first one that I chose is soft skills, because I think that Product leaders, we, we often tend to focus on the hard skills too much, Like especially uh, new product managers that I talk to, they immediately ask me, well, what you know, la- programming language should I learn or what? It's like, wait, soft skills is the main part of our job. We need to be able to communicate our plans and our visions to others. We need to be able to negotiate with others. We need to be able to get buy-in. We need to be able to get empathy and trust with teams. So if we don't have that, nothing else works. And so oftentimes when I've been in a head of product position, I train my teams in that regard. And yes, you can train on the hard skills, but unless your soft skills are where they need to be, you know, we should focus on this first, right? So that's why I think soft skills, it's under communicated. I think nobody talks too much about that. I've written about soft skills and my articles do very poorly because people think it's not sexy, right? But I think without that, we have nothing. The next one, I think it's business acumen. Because the role of the PM, it's a business role. So we're there to provide value to the customer and to the company. And what I mean by business acumen is just understand how money flows from the very beginning of, let's say, the, a proposal, it's in B2B, all the way till the money is in the bank. How the sales cycle works. What is the role of sales, business development, product marketing, customer success, right? It's the everything that has to do with how the money works because we need to make business decisions, not technology decisions. And so that I think for me, that's super, super important. Then the next part is domain knowledge. And I am of the belief that we need to understand our customers' use case very strongly. And we have to become, in a way, a subject matter expert. I sometimes you know, disagree with the, the idea that a product manager can move around industries because we don't need to know the industry as long as we know product management. I mean, that is true because we all jump around, but in an interview, when you have somebody that has industry knowledge versus not, the industry knowledge is always going to win because you need to understand what types of problems your customers have in this industry, what kind of challenges, what, how does the business work in this industry? So that's why I think it's very, very important to know whether like you are from an energy industry or transportation industry or e-commerce, right? And it's the same in all professions, right? A developer in e-commerce cloud is gonna have very different skills than a developer in manufacturing cloud. Right? So that's why I think that is very important it's, and it's underrepresented usually. And then last but not least is a technology because we are usually building technology products. And what I mean by technology is that we have to be conversant with all these different teams. So we have to focus on the management part of product management. And we need to know how to work with a software team, let's say Scrum, or with a hardware team, or an embedded team, or a data science team. And we need to be conversant, understand their challenges, and be able to move around to gain their trust. And I put UX in that same bucket as technology from the UX practice, so we need to understand the practice of interviewing users and creating personas and all that part that fits into the making of the product. So that's why I think those pillars are so important and they're a, a lifelong pursuit, right? We all have strengths in one and weaknesses in the other, but I think a very strong product leader, especially if you're going into a leadership position, needs to be have somewhat of a balance in all of those. Would you agree? Yeah, I would completely agree. And you, know, you started with soft
0: skills and talked a little bit about how... Uh... You know, your writings might not get as many hits, etc. I mean, I think generally soft skills are underappreciated. When I look at some of the most successful product leaders, I found that their soft skills are, you know, elite, so to speak. I mean, they do a really good job there. And I would say that you know, to reach the pinnacle of a particular profession, unless it's super, super technical, that the soft skills become kind of a gating factor more than anything else. Would you agree with that? I
1: would definitely agree with that. I would definitely agree with that. I I, think that is what makes, because at some point I really rely on the management part of the product management definition, and we need to be able to lead teams of all sorts. And especially in IoT, where the scope is so big, we can't be the technical expert's on every part of the technology stack, or when we turn around and we need to go and talk to the security experts, or the supply chain folks, or the chip vendors for our hardware deal, or, you know, all of a sudden it's like, well, what we have is communication. And one of the blind spots actually that we're talking about that is the ability to articulate what your product is internally. And that of course flows externally, right? But that ability to communicate break down a complex problem into a simple structure that you can share, that people can understand, that people can repeat. That is key, right? Because otherwise you lost people and then you won't be able to get the support that you need in order to push your product. And that's key.
0: Yeah. Domain knowledge too, right? Yes. You're very helpful there. But one of the things, too, I I remember you just you're saying about, you know, uh, if you're looking for an an IOT or an energy product manager and they have an energy background, right, they're going to have a a leg up. And I, I agree with that generally. But I also think about as you're scaling product organizations, right, don't you want a little more diversity of kind of thought process? You worry a little bit about, hey, my whole team has a background in energy, maybe you know, I'm thinking about things always the same way and innovating a little less. Maybe we'll throw in a a guy who's never been in this space before, but is a strong product manager as, you know, the other areas I'm looking for.
1: Yeah, I think that's an excellent point, Eric. And I completely agree. And I think the key there is when you're scaling, right? And then you have the capacity for your team to get the support it needs from internal PMs that are industry experts. And what I've seen actually in IoT is that because the scope is so big, there's no one product manager that can be really knowledgeable on every area of the technology stack, every decision area, and industry. And so what happens is that companies build very strong product teams, and then everybody in the team needs to be familiar with how the IoT technology stack works and interacts with each other and the decision areas, but then you have your hardware expert and then you have your industry expert and then you have, right? And together as a team that really works well because I, I often see even in job descriptions, right? They want somebody that knows it all. And what I usually say to that, when I you know advise companies that are doing job descriptions, it's like, if you want somebody like that, either they don't exist or, or you can't afford them, right? So. That's why it's important to have this segmentation and have your experts across. And that gives you that diversity as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you talk about, you know, wanting a little bit of everything. We like want someone with really strong soft skills and they need to have an engineering background and they need to have built the business before so they can understand things like long term value and CAC and all that kind of stuff. And oh, by the way, you know, in this IoT space, want someone who has security PM experience, has done things with a regulated product before, understands networking, understands the hardware component, and oh, and you know, has built something on the software side too, right? This yep. is like a, a crazy job requirement. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and, and we can only pay you like an intern, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We, you know, we always run into that as product, or at least we used to as product managers, not as much anymore. But yeah. you know, I, I, I definitely think that part of that is like that's where the soft skills are important, both early on when there's no way you can have the breadth of skills, but you need to be able to learn, you need to be able to influence, you need to be able to aggregate the data around you. And then also in the long term, you know, you're looking at this fabric of how can you have, you know, I'm a believer in building a, a PM organization, kind of like a fabric. How do you have coverage of all these areas you need, right? Not necessarily through one people, but through the mix of the team.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I completely agree. And I think that's the role really of, of product leadership. When you get to head of product director above, your product is your team. And now you need to make sure that you get this diversity and you you train right. in the skills that people don't have. And when you're hiring, you're looking at, does this person have skills that I feel can be useful to the team and the skills that they don't have, can they be trainable? And I'm willing to invest in training them so I can build them up or not. Right? So I think especially when you get to the point where you're hiring and building your own team, that perspective is invaluable. Is that one of your
0: blind spots? I'm kind of curious. Training? Like I often I often feel like companies neglect the ongoing training of their product managers, especially in and across domains as things change. Do you see that? Is that one of the 20? Or it's do not, we come up with a 21st maybe? <laughs> I think
1: we I think we're ready to do the 21st because I think you're spot on. That's that's a big challenge. And and sometimes you you know what I've seen is kind of interesting. I think that be curious to see if you've seen the same thing. I think that the adoption of agile has been really valuable for the way we produce software. There's no denying the value, but I think it has also had a impact in the product management profession and it's getting better. But I actually talked to a lot of companies where they have struggling with their IoT strategy and they say, well, you know what, we can't really train our product team on that strategy because we are busy training up in agile or because we're agile, we don't need training. These guys will catch up, right? And so that's one of the main things that I've seen. And I would totally put it as a blind spot, which is, you know, agile is something different. You need that training for your team. You need to be able to build them up, especially as we jump into these new technologies that there's not a lot of people out there with this knowledge, so it's important to hire good PMs and they say, okay, how do we turn them into good IoT PMs in in my world, right?
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. I would agree. And and Agile's, you know, sometimes Agile people start looking at things more like, you know, PMs start to drift into becoming, you know, development managers, meaning they're managing stand-ups and priority and backlog versus, you know, some of the front end PM interfacing with customers or the company as a whole starts to look more like a feature factory, right? Just Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. thinking about, you know, ship, 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 and not necessarily looking at the long-term ramifications or even the the customer, the real customer need for what they're shipping, but just trying to, you know, optimize how quickly they can ship things.
1: I agree. And I would say that that's particularly dangerous in an IoT world because the IoT products are so complex and they're so expensive to build, right? If you're thinking of building an end-to-end product that you have, the five layers, right? You have the hardware and you have the embedded and the connectivity and the cloud, et cetera. You know, your MVP is looking pretty hefty now. And so doing all that work and investing all that money that can also be capital intensive, right? It's not only the the salaries of the people, but you have to have tooling and manufacturing partners and hardware and all that. Doing all that without really spending the time, you know, a sliver of that time, to figuring out your market fit, to talk more to customers, to develop a solid strategy. I think that's extremely valuable. And I I still see a lot of companies just not wanting to spend that time because they say, well, we don't have time to lose. We can't really waste time on strategy. We need to ship. And it's like, but what are you shipping, right?
0: Yeah, what are you shipping and why? Well, I think that leads me to my next question. Like, do you see more trends coming up in product management? What would they be? What do you see coming up that, that people should be thinking about?
1: Yes, that's a a great question. And I think that some of the trends that I see, at least from from my industry, you know, IoT type of trends is product managers are starting to get this systemic view. We're starting to get more involved in security as something that we own because we are said to own the product. Well, if the product gets hacked, should be on us as well. So having this foresight to be able to prioritize security work above other things and fight for that. I think we're starting to see that, but we're not fully there. And then we're starting to see a little bit more of the, you know, dark side of the ramifications of having a data-heavy connected products, which has to do with privacy and ethics. So I'm starting to see that product teams are starting to come up and surface those things about, is this, you know, the fact that we can have a a toy that's connected to the internet and is listening to our kids' conversations because we, can, we want to monetize that data. Well, we can do it. It might be profitable, but it might not be ethical. Companies are starting to have those discussions. Not enough, but people are starting to realize that, hey, there's an implication about us acquiring data from the customer space, and we have to be very careful about that. So those are the things that I'm starting to see.
0: Yeah, I can definitely see, you know, privacy and ethics becoming huge trends that PMs need to think about. And and part of that is disclosure, right? At a minimum, you have to be thinking about disclosing what you're doing. And I think in a lot of cases, that's just been hidden and hard to know or not disclosed at all. Yes, I agree. So let's turn this as we wrap up with a few final questions. Let's talk a little bit more about Daniel. So
1: what are your favorite products and why are they your favorite? Hmm. Yeah, the the favorite product question. That's always a good one. Well, since I'm, I'm so focused on IoT, I can tell you one of my favorite products. It's actually the Tesla Model S, the car. And a lot of people don't think about that as an IoT product, but it is because it has the sensors and collects the data and has the connectivity and has a cloud component and apps. So I really like it because first of all, I used to be in the energy storage industry and now how I know how complicated creating smart batteries is. Now put those on a car and with everything that surrounds it, uh, I think it's a pretty interesting and advanced technology. And it's my favorite, not because of the technology itself, but because two things. First of all, it's not advertised necessarily as an electric vehicle or as a IoT product. It's just a great car that people like because of the car itself. So they've been able to abstract the technology and the complexity to say, "Hey, this is just a, a good car." Focusing on the outcome of the customer. And the other thing that I think it's very admirable for, from my perspective, is that this is a product that I believe it's playing an important role in solving some of the key products that we problems, sorry, that we have in the world, like going away from carbon generation and fossil fuels, right? So you have a product that. It's attractive for customers to buy, and their mission internally is accelerate the electrification of vehicles, right? So there, there's a lot of things to like from an IoT implementation, from a mission perspective, and from the actual product itself.
0: Yeah, I mean, Tesla in particular, I don't even own one, and I'm a huge fan. And I hear that a lot <laughs> as far as people's favorite product. I feel like it comes up every few podcasts, and you know, yeah. uh, I'm always I think over so. selling Teslas directly.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. And I give them my
0: referral code if I had one, you know.
1: (laughs) For sure, me too. I I would, but I think that the interesting part is that you know, it's uh sometimes people ask me about some what are some other IoT products that might not be. What they're seeing in the general media, like, you know, the smart toaster or the smart vacuum cleaner. Well, this is an example, right? You don't have to go obscure, like in my favorite things, like, well, an energy storage system for connecting to the grid or like a wind turbine for supply of demand for energy, right? Those are like, if you're a geek in the energy industry like me, those are great. But like something that people can really relate to is like, hey, it's a great car that happens to be electric and happens to be an IoT product. Yeah, absolutely. You know, people rave about their Teslas. So final question for you today,
0: three words to describe yourself.
1: Ooh, three words. I would choose strategic, approachable, and curious.
0: Love it. Well,
1: thank you, Daniel. I appreciate your time today. This was great. Thank, thank you, you, Eric, so much for the opportunity. I look forward to keeping in touch. This has been Product Love.
0: Thank you for tuning into this episode. Check out the rest of our articles and interviews on ProductCraft.com, an online magazine by and for product people.